wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. This is Extra Time on SENZ, just gone 8 o'clock. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. Coming up later on this hour, the Kiwi Ferns coach Ricky Henry joins us. Uh, news today that both he and Michael Maguire have signed contracts through to the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. So we'll touch base with Ricky Henry, see where he's at and uh, what uh, the big carrot was for him to stay on uh, for another couple of years in that Kiwi Ferns role. We'll also preview uh, the upcoming NRL round as well. But as we like to do, uh, each week we go through uh, the Warriors' last performance and get some ratings from our very own big Ben Francis. Uh, the Bennies, are we, are we calling it the Bennies, the Benny Awards? Uh, it could be the Bennies, but I, I went with the the, the Wah Awards. The, that's right, the Wah Awards. It's just not on the rundown and I couldn't remember it. So I, I was making <laughs> things up as I went. Um, so... Every week, Ben goes through the team and gives players player ratings for the game the weekend before, and then basically you're, you're adding all these up, and at the end of the year we'll do our own version of the Dally M just for the Warriors, right? Pretty much, and hopefully we might be able to get the actual winner. Um, depending on how funding goes, we might be able to source some actual trophy. Okay, all right. Well, I look forward to that. So right. uh, anyone, anyone want to donate some money, which you can put your business or whatever, just get in touch. Yeah, that'd be that'd be massive. Yeah. Uh, just so, you know, the, the Chemist Warehouse WAR Award. Yeah. But for example, it could be, you know. So yeah, it's, I, th- it's, I think the players might appreciate it a bit more than the Simon Mannering Medal. But. Well, you, you never know. Never know. I wonder, I'll tell you, it'd be interesting to see when we get there, actually, if the Simon Mannering Medal recipient and the WAR Award recipient are the same person. Well, I remember last year the Warriors did their awards immediately after the game against the Titans, which mm. they lost in Golden Point. And I was adamant Wade Egan was going to win it. I was I was so confident. But he didn't, it was you and Aitken. So, um, yeah, this is why kind of why I thought I'd tally it up and... It's quite quite interesting because uh, it's, def- it's definitely the same players that seem to be stepping up and a few that are are ahead. But then when you get a guy like Tohu who didn't play, uh, you got a guy like Wade Egan who's already missed a game as well. And you think that just those one games will count will count against them in this, but doesn't mean it will count count against them in the Simon Mattering Medal race because I think Tohu Harris actually got nominated last year and he missed the first nine games of the season. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are uh, competitions that do this, and they have a uh, – uh, basically the way they run it is that – and I can't <clears> – <throat> sorry, I can't remember how many it is, but basically you, you, get, to, um, you get to drop your t- couple of worst performances, 
and then and then the average, and that helps make up for players that have missed games. That's actually a good good way of doing it, to be honest. You can add up all the scores, divide it by how many they played, and you get an average season score. Yeah. Yeah, so that might work. That yeah. might work as well. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's not dally any longer on the on the ins and outs of this. Let's just get straight into it. Chance Nickel Clockstead, uh, great to have the fullback back. Yeah, and look, he was strong as ever at the back. You know, so he, he's one of the. He, when I watch him play, the way I best describe it is probably he he's the right player for how the Warriors want to play. So he's not, he's not your not not the most flashiest, most outstanding fullback, but he does his role, and I think that's that's the thing which has been really good with the Warriors team this year, is that when some of these guys were signed, some of them were, were like questioned and think, why did we pick up these guys? But they were they were brought in to do a job, and one guy that is definitely stepping up and doing his job is Chancellor Clogstad. I gave him an eight. Eight. All right. Well, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good start. Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. You know, there are some players that the Warriors picked up that I was like, why are we picking him up? Chance was not one of them. I thought he was a great pickup because he he offers you cover in the centres as well. He's a great fullback, very defensive fullback. He's a quite a different player to Reese Walsh, but gives you a lot more solidity in the spine. Yeah, and I, I think the reason why that there probably wasn't that reaction to when he was signed was because many people felt that he shouldn't have gone in the first place because, of course, he was at the Warriors initially. Uh, but he's got his opportunities, making the most of it. So, yeah, I, I think he's doing great. So, yeah, like I said, gave him an eight. All right, uh, Ed Cossey. <laughs> yeah, this is the what well, Cossey seems to be the one that kind of gets a bit of criticism about, to be honest. Mm. But, look, quite a few of the guys in the Warriors, and especially on that edge, did not start off well. Let's be frank, you know, the Sharks were up 20 nil, and it was a 26 6. That escaped me off the top of my head. So yep. I did give him a 6. He did well to bounce back after a tough start. Yeah, he did. He did, and he is scoring tries, which you know is uh, is is big for a uh, a winger as well. Um, let's uh, move on to um, uh, Vilemi Vilea. Yeah, a bit at the same, you know, same edge. Tough start, improved as the game went on though. But I think his overall involvement was a bit more quieter, so I gave him a five. A five, uh, Adam Pompey. Yeah, look, I gave him a six. I my description, I, I tried to do about one line. I give a line description on each one, and I said uh, better, a bit better than the standard Pompey performance. So he gets a six. He gets a six. Uh, what about Marcelo Montoya on the other wing? Yeah, look, he he was actually for me he was quite quiet compared to how he usually is. He did well bringing the ball back, I felt, but he only gets a six. Okay, so he gets a six. Uh, what about Ronald Voltman, who was in for Tamari Martin? Yeah, look. This one's a bit tough. I know he, he didn't play the whole game. Uh, I kind of felt that the Sharks probably targeted him a little bit. I think it was only his fourth game in the NRL. Uh, not the same as Tom Mighty Martin, but I think you know he'll be better off for that performance. Uh, I gave him a five. Five? All right. Okay. Uh, Sean Johnson, he went all right. What did you give him? He did go all right. Uh, no, I, was, I was trying to think today of some of the, the great comebacks that Sean Johnson has helped architect whether it's for the Kiwis or, or for the Warriors and this was his absolute next level he gets a nine wow but uh, my, my favourite Sean Johnson leading comeback was uh, 2018 it was against the Canberra Raiders mm. where he scored the two droppies in two minutes that's right I remember that 
Uh, and the reason why that one stands out is because I meant I won a bet with one Craig Norenberg's Raiders <laughs> hardcore legend and he had to wear a Warriors jersey for the day at uh, News Hub and every time it's his birthday he always posts a photo of it. So. Oh, nice. Just, just remind him. Just yep. remind him. All the time and especially, especially the way the Raiders are going this year. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, it's interesting actually if you look at that. So we haven't got to the Ford pack yet. But the back line... The number one and the number seven get an eight and a nine. Everybody else in between is a pretty ordinary. Yeah, I think that's probably though because of the, the way that the sharks were targeting. I, I, it's one of these typical things where you see, like for example, the Warriors get off to a bad start and the sharks get a bit of a roll on, and you think, oh, this is terrible. But then you look at the stats and you think, well, the Warriors have had no ball. So when the Warriors don't have any ball, the playmakers can't really show what they're there to do. They're not they can't do their role until they really get their hands on the ball. And then when they start getting their hands on the ball, that's when they start. Well given that then, are you surprised that we've seen the team list come out yesterday and Dallin Watini's Lesniak is back fit, but he's on the reserve bench and not in the team? Well the thing is that could change. Like it could be that he's ready to go but they they just want to make sure at the captain's run and things like that and they could spring a last change a late change. But to be fair on Ed, a guy like Ed Cossey, because Dallin, that's the guy who we'd probably come in for, Cossey, is, I think, has done a decent job, and I think it would be a bit unfair to drop him the way he's been going. He, by far, he's not been perfect. I think the Warriors would be better with Dallin on the side. But when you've got a guy playing well and the Warriors are winning... Part of me kind of thinks, do you really want to change up a winning team? But it could literally just be down to a they're not 100% sure on him and they just want to wait and see before giving it the green lights. So All right. Well, well, let's move on to the Ford pack then. Uh, Aiden Fanua Blake. Uh, yeah, I gave him a six. It was a bit quieter than usual, but it got a bit better as the game went on, I felt. All right. Wade Egan. Yeah, he gets a nine as well. He, he, he was captain in the side and it was a true captain's knock. I've, I've said this every week. And I, I, it's great to see people are starting to appreciate him because everyone has always knocked him, even though people in Australia have said this got big raps on this guy and he's a guy that's really starting to show that potential that he's been talked up about. So uh, he's fantastic and uh, I'm glad we've got him pretty yeah. much. All right, Bunty a four. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Bunty, to be honest. He pretty much starts, plays 20 minutes, and then you don't see him again. He gets a five because it doesn't, doesn't really do much, to be honest. What about Jackson Ford? Yeah, he finished with lots of tackles, but I don't think it was his best game for the Warriors. I gave him a six. Okay. Murata um, Niakore, I uh, thought he was a bit harshly sinned, but here you go. Yeah, uh, and he also made the mistake in the first set as well, but pretty steady. It's, I think we're going to probably miss his impact uh, for the next couple of weeks, especially with Abadi Sirenin starting, but that could always change. I gave him a six. Okay, and then... Uh, one Jazz Tavanga. Yeah, like I gave, gave three nines this week, and Jazz gets the last one. He's been sensational since he's been back, and it's a guy like it's a bit, it's a bit similar to the Wade Egan as a guy that's had this potential, and he's finally starting to play it. But I think that's he's he's got his role. He understands what his role is, and he's just loving every moment of it. And maybe because of he's trying to raise some money as well for his mate with our cancer that could be having an impact as well but that's fantastic and you think back to a couple of years ago and there were rumours of him potentially going Yeah, and you think glad we kept him because he's really playing 
to a high level. Yeah. All right. What about uh, Dylan Walker off the bench? I, I thought we were going to lose him at one point in that game. He looked like he did something to his knee, hyperextended it maybe. Yeah. But look, uh, talking about guys are doing their roles, Dylan Walker, he's nailing his role to absolute perfection, always making an impact, and he gets an eight. Okay. Uh, Bailey Sirenin. I gave him a five. I'm still not fully sold on him. But look, the Warriors are winning. Andrew Webster... You can't really fault him thus far. He must he sees something in it. I don't know what it is, but I just have to trust him. But I gave him a five. If it was me, I'd rather have Josh Curran starting because Surinan's in to start this week, but mm. we'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, what about Tom Arley? Yeah, look, he's getting limited minutes, but he's he's starting to grow into that, that guy that's having that impact when he gets that opportunity. I, I gave him a six. And finally, uh, you just mentioned him, Josh Curran. Yeah, look, he gets a seven. You know, he came on. I think only played about twenty minutes, but he'd scored a try, which bumps up the score a little bit. And then he, pretty much that hustle at the end there, where the the ball was loose and he kicked it forward, which pretty much led to that penalty, uh, which Sean Johnson kicked. So look, he, he came on and he's had that impact. So he, I gave him a seven. Just mm. those couple of big plays, because you come up with those plays, you know, you, you will get that little extra mwah to your score. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a difference maker, right? Bit yeah, of a exactly. Difference maker. All right, good stuff. There you go. That is the the War Awards update uh, for round six. Uh, Newcastle Knights this week, and we'll talk about the coming round after this. It is eight thirteen on extra time. After a few lean weeks at the Good Oil, the team went large. It's 17 past eight here on SENZ Extra Time, talking rugby league NRL, of course, well underway. And uh, it's time to, uh, we're going to preview uh, this weekend's round. But before we do that, though, Jerry's texted through, Ben, keen to get your take on this. And um, also, uh, you know, anybody else's take on this as well, because uh, Jerry is happy to put a box of beer on this. He says, guys, the Warriors aren't my team. I have no emotion invested in the side. Although I do enjoy see, I do enjoy seeing them do well. Warning bells ringing. Great to watch a comeback, but twenty point starts are alarming. Injury suspensions and NRL fatigue incoming, and all the big guns are building. For me, the Warriors will be marginal top eight at best. Happy to put a box of beer on it. Well, Jerry, I don't drink beer, so I'm not willing to partake in that beer. What about a what about a a box of Musashi Energy? How I feel right now, uh, if I do, if I do delve into an alcoholic beverage, it usually is uh, an apple cider, right? Okay. So, but that's very rarely. So I would do something along those lines. Uh, well, look, it, it is the nature of rugby league. Firstly, injuries and suspensions, but we all know to win a sporting competition, you're going to need some luck on your side. Yeah, it, it's as simple as that. Whether it's Pulling results out of your your your, your backside and guys, you having guys fit and healthy for the most of the season. That that's what happens. You got you look at a side like um, like Penrith for the last couple of years. I think they've relatively escaped serious injuries to their major players, but because some of these players have moved on. Uh, and other guys have had to step up, and then we've seen injuries. So we see like Nathan Cleary missing a few games. I think Brian Toto out as well. So you miss like these key guys and. Lots of it is just down to luck of the draw. With regards to the starts, look, that's something the Warriors have addressed, and of course, it is concerning against if whether it was like a Sydney or a God dare I say a Melbourne, because you know that's happened a few times on the Anzac Day game. They those guys those sides get ahead and they just really put the foot down. But the Warriors, look, Andrew Webster said that's something they need to work on. So hopefully, we will see a solid start from them at some stage. Um, what that is, it's something as simple as just completing that first set and just just slowly trying to build. 
bit of momentum as, as the game goes on. Um, injuries, yeah, bit of concern, suspensions, fatigue. I think I was reading, and I've had a bit of a busy day, so forgive me, but I have a feeling I did see somewhere that some of the Warriors' top players sat out training today to give themselves a bit of a rest because I think they've already it's something they've already travelled about five thousand kilometers yeah this season in five games. So you think a thousand kilometers roughly per per game. That that's a lot on your body when you look at a side like Brisbane that only has to travel outside of Queensland, I think it's five times this year. Which adds adds up, of course. So I think I think I did read something along those lines, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, I I like the analogy Ian Ian Jones uses um on, on Chiefs Manor, he talks about the blocks. Focus on those blocker games so you get through like your first five, your first four, whatever, and you focus on the next one. So, look, who knows? The Warriors have been relatively lucky, but who knows? They are probably a couple of injuries away from really struggling, but I, I could say that about the majority of the teams, to be honest. Mm. Well, I think that's uh, something that having a 17th team and has certainly, it's brought everybody a bit closer together, I think, um, because of the depth of, of, of players available. Uh, let's have a look at, then at the games coming up this weekend, starting Thursday night uh, with the Melbourne Storm taking on a Roosters team. And I, I kind of fear for the Storm, Ben, because as good a player as James Tedesco is, the Roosters are now playing Joey Manu at fullback. We've seen what he could do for the Kiwis at fullback, and uh, I like the Roosters in this game. Hey, you are talking to the happiest man in the world about this because my fantasy team, which is struggling, I'm, I'm having a Parramatta Eagles-esque collapse this year. <laughs> uh, my Don't fantasy. Say that. <laughs> I'm not, last week, I looked at my, my 10 guy, this is for my draft one, I had 10 guys on my bench. And for who are out of injury and suspension, and ten guys that are really good starters and most NRL teams, and Joey Manu was one of them. And in fact, he's back and he's going to be playing fullback. I'm like, yes, I might be able to get a bit of extra points to get a much needed win. <laughs> but yeah, look, it's this is going to be an interesting one because you know, there there still are those question marks around the storm. And I know that look, they're three and two, uh, and so are the Roosters and. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to know because I've been not critical of the Storm, but I kind of felt that this was the year they were going to slip away. So I'm very curious to see how they match up against a rival or a team that two, both these sides have been competitive in the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So I'm very curious to see how that matchup goes, even though the Roosters are missing a guy like James Tedesco. Yeah, all right. Okay, let's have a look at Friday night. Then the Bulldogs up against the Rabbits. Um, I've got the Rabbits in this all day. I just think they've got too much experience, and I think their pack's a lot better. Yeah, look, you're probably right, and it's I'd say it's quite a short turnaround for the Bulldogs. They played that last game on Sunday night against the Cowboys, which... You know they they won with the Matt Burton field goal. So, look, I, the, there's a game to watch this round. This is one to watch because these games can be quite feisty, uh, very enjoyable. Good Friday games between the bunnies and the dogs. But I would tend to agree. Yeah, no kick out either for the dogs, um, which uh, well you'd think. Although he hasn't quite replicated his Penrith form for the dogs yet, uh, it's still going to be a big miss. Uh, the late game on Friday is the Cowboys hosting the Dolphins. Um, a few players, uh, Jordan McLean, uh, probably the, the biggest miss for the Cowboys. He's gonna, he's not going to be playing in this game. Yeah, Scott Drinkwater back though, so much needed boost for them at fullback. Even though Tom Chester has done a great job filling in, but this one, this one is going to be interesting because the Dolphins, of course, got off to that hot start, but dropped a couple of games now. Uh, and, and when did they drop the games? They dropped the games as soon as Kalfusi got suspended. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I. I 
must have, I don't know if he's back this week. I think he's, he's not, got one uh, more week. Yeah. But look, the Cowboys are a team that should be better than two wins and three, and because of the con- how condensed the table is, they they get a win and that just shoots them up into the eight pretty much. So yeah. interesting times it is, and they're massive favourites. Um, they're a dollar forty versus two ninety eight. Like, and it could literally just be that Calfusi effect. He, he, he is a, a strong leader, and I, Jesse Bromwich has spoken about about that, his leadership and how he's really stood up since leaving the storm. Uh, we've also got Saturday, we've got uh, fifth host fourth, uh, the Panthers against the Sea Eagles. Uh, no Christian Tuipolotu for Manly and no James Fisher-Harris for the Panthers. I, I feel like that hurts the Panthers more than uh, Tuipolotu missing for the Sea Eagles. It, it does, but I think the Panthers have still got enough firepower in there to probably get over the line. But that could just be being uh, someone that really does not like the Sea Eagles. <laughs> yeah, no, well, there's two of us in that. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, it's not going to be the Sea Eagles. That's what we're thinking. Mind you, uh, Penrith at home are a different proposition as well. The Broncos, uh, they take on uh, the Canberra Raiders. Ricky Stewart talking about how he's going to have a player clear out. I'm starting to wonder when Canberra's going to have a coach clear out because uh, he's been there a while and failed to do too much uh, with that green machine. Uh, Matt Frawley is out this week. Uh, Jared Croker comes back in, but they're still without Jack Whiten, so they're probably a little bit light on playmakers. Uh, should, the Broncos should win this easily, shouldn't they? Unfortunately, they should win. Mm. I'd much rather see the Raiders win, but yeah, interesting times in, in Canberra. They kind of had that that very, very short golden window uh, when John Bateman was there, George Williams and, and halfback and all that. And This have not been the same for the last couple of years, and it could be one of these things coming to a bit of an end of an era with uh, with Ricky Stewart in Canberra, but it comes down to who do you bring in. Yep, uh, that is true. Now, this is going to be interesting. The Titans against the Dragons, uh, on the face of it, I would say, oh, well, the Titans should win this. Uh, but the Titans don't have AJ Brimson or Kieran Foran this weekend, so... Tana Boyd, Toby Sexton is uh, is the halves pairing, and Jaden Campbell, who hasn't been getting a lot of game time, starting at fullback. Yeah, I, I really like Jaden Campbell though. Uh, he's a guy who I feel like should be starting at fullback in the NRL. And I told you that apparently the the gun fullback the Eels are looking for is apparently Jaden Campbell. So uh, the thing is, when you get these changes to your spine, you don't really know how well it is going to perform. You know, Brimson is young, but he has been around a while, and you've got a guy like Kieran Four not there as well. It's a lot of experience missing, and you're literally replacing it with guys who are very, very inexperienced. So I guess that that is the, the worry for the Titans in that one, but I'm still not sold on the Dragons. I'm still not sold on the Dragons, and that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm like, oh, but the Dragons, uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, how, what have they got? They've got... No, two wins and two losses, so they're going all right. Yeah, well, hard to say, isn't it? I mean, they they gave up forty points to the Sharks. Yeah, lost that forty to eight. So, uh, but the Sharks could do that to you. Um, uh, yeah, Nico Hines was on fire that day. All right, what about uh, the late Sunday game, eight fifteen New Zealand time? The Knights and the Warriors. We've talked about who the Warriors don't have. I tell you what does you know? We talked about that Warriors backline and. Cossi, Vilea, Pompey and Montoya all underwhelming on the weekend. Uh, this weekend they're going to be up against Dom Young, Dane Gagai, Bradman Best and Greg's Matthew. Um, I kind of look at this Knights team. They beat the Titans. They drew with the Seagulls when, you know, who were highly fancy to win that game. I reckon the, this, this could be another L for the Warriors. Do you? Yeah. Hmm, okay. 
Look, just purely based on from what I've seen this year, I and this is no no Warriors bias coming out. I, I I can't look past the Warriors. The Warriors beat the Knights, of course, in the opening round of the season, but the Knights are coming on a bit better than expected, and maybe it's because there's no Caitlin Ponga. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, well, you're not, you you, know, <laughs> you might not be wrong. But look, look, Mar- Marzu has been fantastic on the wing, so if he he has a blinder, that, that could cause some trouble signs uh, uh, for the Warriors. But I think based on what I've seen, uh, I, I think the Warriors do get up. But I think as uh, Jerry touched on earlier, yeah, uh, that the start could be important. If the Warriors get off to another bad start, there's no guarantee that they'll be able to pull off another mighty comeback like that. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, I, I will say this to you: whose edge forwards would you have, Tyson Frizzell and Lachlan Fitzgibbon, or Jackson Ford and Bailey Sirinan? Oh, that's another one. Exactly. Oh, uh, this is the thing on paper: the, 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 you'd probably pick lots of these night nights guys, but the thing is, that's it's all, for me. And you can see this based on the rating. It's, it's always the key playmakers which are standing out this season, which has been Nico Klogstad, Wade Egan, Sean Johnson, your Jazz Tavanga, and your Dylan Walkers. And if those guys are firing, then you know those are the guys who are like have been helping the Warriors get these wins. So these guys are on form. Yeah. All right. That leaves us with the game of the round, which is uh, Easter Monday: uh, the Tigers versus the Eels. Ooh, <laughs> crikey! Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, congratulations, Ricardo. You're going to get your second one of the season. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps it up. There you go. That's our NRL preview for uh, round number six. When we come back, Kiwi Ferns coach Ricky Henry joins us. You're on extra time on SCNZ, 26 away from 9 o'clock. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock. And joining us now uh, to talk about signing a new deal with New Zealand Rugby League is Kiwi Ferns coach Ricky Henry. G'day, Ricky. Uh, welcome to the show and congratulations on the extension. Yeah, thanks for that, mate. Um, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, it's a uh, privilege to be uh, being given another opportunity to um, yeah take this team forward to the next World Cup. Yeah, through to twenty twenty five, mate. I mean, what what were the conversations like, and uh, uh, and and what's the carrot for you to to continue doing this job? I guess for me, it's um, you know it's exciting times for women's rugby league and actually women's sport. Um, there's a lot of opportunities, and I'm in a I'm in a position where I can sort of influence and um, you know sort of future proof. I guess um, a lot of our women. Um, rugby league players to hopefully go on to uh, be full-time athletes and um, carve out a career um, sort of where, where I'm sort of aiming um, for myself. And on top of that, you know, we haven't haven't won a World Cup for a number of years now. So, you know, that's my other driving motivation to get us back on top of um, uh, World Rugby League. Well, yeah, mate, we, we went pretty close at the last World Cup, right? And and that was with a pretty young squad. Um, how how well placed do you think we are? And, and how many of that squad do you expect to, to still have playing in 2025? Yeah, we had a really young squad. Uh, I think the average age was 23 years. So, um, you know, so I was really stoked with the development of those players. And also uh, they started to become household names uh, through NRLW. Um, but, you know, really looking forward to their development over the next couple of years. And, yeah, we were placed, you know, we lose a lot of experience um, with some of the ladies that would be retiring. So we have to fill them. But we've got some really handy replacements like uh, Georgia Hale and Racing McGregor and that, that sort of um, 
caliber of player. So, yeah, we're in a really good space and uh, we'll look sort of try and develop them and get them ready for the uh, 2025 World Cup. So, yeah, I think in a really good really good position. Yeah. What about the international program, mate? I mean, how much conversation was there with the NZRL about that uh, before you, you re-signed? Yeah, there was a lot. One of my... Uh, you know, passions is to make sure that we're ready and uh, match hard and for when we have these uh, these tournaments. But um, you know, one of the things that I really discussed was about us, you know, getting in front of the Australians every year and trying to have a sort of a three test series or at the very least a two uh, two test series. So um, I know that's that's in the pipeline and I know they're talking about it. So uh, that'll sort of help us build towards the World Cup. Plus, uh, we're starting to see sort of Samoa, Tonga. PG uh, PNG uh, really sort of come to the fore too with with their teams and and the caliber of players that they've got. So yeah, we've got some really good options there, and and that international program is really important for our uh, development as a group, but also um, preparation for the uh, World Cup there. It feels like the uh, Australia is the sticking point with the international um, international calendar, particularly on the men's side. I'm not sure about the women's side, but given that the premier sort of club competition will be the NRLW. Uh, is, is that how you see it? Yeah, I, I guess that's sort of the pinnacle, to be to be fair. Like, um, a lot of those ladies be playing, um, you know, there's a 10-team ten comp this year. Um, I think they're playing 10 games as opposed to five the previous year, and then they've got the final series. So that should sort of really set our players up for uh, success and also grow the game. Um, plus all the programs that are sort of sitting below those as well, like you know, we've got our national comp uh, under 19s as well. We've got a got a younger group, I think, under 16s as well, who are also um, are programs that will help us to yeah sort of build players' uh, capability and prepare them for um, yeah for any future um, games for us. I don't know if you you know this off the top of your head, so sorry if I'm dropping it on you, mate. But I mean, your, your ten game, uh, ten team competition, as you talked about, you know, the NRLW is expanding. How many Kiwi ferns or, or players are uh, eligible for the Kiwi ferns will be running around in that comp this year? Do you think? Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot. Um, I know that um, a few of the ladies that played for, the, for us in the last World Cup have signed up uh, for a lot of those uh, newer teams. Um, I just sort of heard today that Millie Hufung has gone to the Brisbane Broncos and I know Madison Bartlett and those those sort of players are also signed with places like Canberra, uh, which will be released over the next couple of days or over the next week. So yeah, we'll have a we'll have a lot of um a lot of players coming out of this competition and I think, you know, for us to be really competitive, uh, you know, we're gonna have to sort of really pick players that have been playing at that level as opposed to um, you know, our, our local comp and our local comp will be used as a is really a stepping stone in preparing them for uh, NRLW. Yeah, was has there been much conversation uh, between NZRL and and the Warriors about when they might have a team in the NRLW again, um, which would obviously help yeah. that pathway? Yeah, yeah. There's been a bit of bit of talk between the uh, the two. There, I know that uh, the Warriors are really keen to put a team back in in 2025. So um, it's a year of the World Cup and. I believe that the only reason why they didn't get in earlier is because they couldn't get any more licences um, you know, for 2024. Otherwise, they would have put a team in prior to that. But I guess that's sort of good timing as well. Like uh, The Warriors have only just come back into the country, obviously, uh, been, been sort of playing out of uh, Redcliffe there and um, you know, obviously they set their teams up and a lot of their, um, their, their, their men's grades are uh, coming back in as well. So 
Yep, definitely. Um, I know that that's definitely a draw card and something that uh, the Warriors are really keen on um, doing in 2025. And what about, you know, your role? So as a coach, obviously you talked about the age group sides and the age group tournaments and looking at the, uh, you know, the local comp here and, and coaching the Kiwi Ferns, but... If the opportunity came available, do you, do you think you could juggle both jobs, Kiwi Ferns and, say, the Warriors NRLW side, if, if you were asked? Yeah, I look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, confident in my ability and um, absolutely, um, you know, if the opportunity does come, um, I'd be keen to sort of put my hand hand up there and, um, and coach that team. And you know, like I said, I've, I've been a part of this in the women's space for the last couple of years and sort of seen it develop and, it's really evolving, and I've, I want to be a part of that and try to help to uh, shape this for you know for the future. So you know, juggling that is you know I think for me um, something I can, I can definitely do, um, and something I'll be keen to do with the um, either the Warriors or. Or another NRLW team. Yeah. Now we've had uh, a couple of uh, very well, or one particularly high-profile uh, union player who has switched and is playing at the Parramatta Eels last season, and, and Gail Broughton. Um, she didn't feature in the World Cup squad. I think uh, under her own volition, she wanted to learn the game a bit more, mate. But uh, where is she at in her development? And, and do you think there might be a few more switching codes with the the way the NRLW is growing? Yeah, I've I've heard a few whispers that a few of the uh, yeah the the black ferns are looking to switch over as well. We've had a couple of girls actually go to rugby too after the World Cup and play in that uh, rugby tournament that's just sort of uh, finished over there in, uh, in New Zealand here. And um, yeah, we're sort of looking at players also coming back our way as well because there's a ten like I said ten game uh, competition and then finals. So you know that's close to sort of um, six months worth of salary that they can earn. So um, a massive opportunity for them, and yep, um, you know, there definitely be uh, opportunities for them. But but you know, with with Gara Broughton, you know, she did uh, make it clear that she didn't want to disrespect the game and didn't feel like she she knew enough about the game to sort of step up into the key thing. So um, you know, she's shown through the the New Zealand Maldives um, game at the start of the year, and also her form in the NRLW. Uh, last year, you know, definitely shows that she can sort of step up and um, yeah, feature for us uh, in the Kiwi thing. Uh, do you, uh, where where to next for you, mate? I mean, uh, you, you've you've got the ink dried on the contract now, so uh, you, you're in the hot seat to 2025. Uh, is it just down to planning now, and and when do you think we might know about uh, what's going on in the international calendar? Yeah, I'll be doing a lot of planning over the uh, next month or so. We've already sort of started that process. Um, Really keen just to sort of get some, uh, you know, some high performance camps together, um, start sort of feeding through some of the information that we want um, our players to be a part of. Also, culture is a big part of um, the plan as well, and making sure we've got the right environment, the right culture within the group. Um, they're a wonderful, uh, talented bunch of players that we've got, and we're really happy with where we're at. Uh, but it's also about bringing through the next breed of player and um, getting them ready as well so that they understand the you know, sort of what we're about and um, how, how to act and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, lots of planning for us. Um, and then also, you know, using these games that we're playing against Australia uh, to really put a, you know, to give us a bit of a benchmark on where we're at. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll be heading into those games also thinking about how we can how we can knock them off as well. So it's not like it's um, something we're just going to turn up and uh, play every year. We actually want to compete and, and, and get at the top of them because that'll... That'll give us some, um, you know, some really 
good information about how we plan and, and how we get it right for the uh, World Cup. Yeah, well, the more more players we have playing in that NRLW, the better, right? Because I mean, it does uh, it, it does throw me back to mate when I first started watching rugby league as a kid in the in the eighties, and the Kiwis would play the Kangaroos, and we'd have guys running out there against the Kangaroos who were still playing at Otahu or Mangere East and things like that. And it kind of there are some parallels there, aren't there, for uh, where the Kiwi ferns have been of late? But hopefully, uh, we can put that behind us soon and have them all playing pro. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the goal and. You know, um, we want to sort of yeah, have high-performing athletes and athletes that have been part of um, the professionalism and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, exciting times ahead for us and I'm really, really excited about the opportunity and really thankful that I've been uh, given this opportunity to uh, lead, our, you know, lead our woman uh, into the next World Cup and over the next couple of years. Yeah, mate. Uh, before I let you go, Ricky, I'd be keen to get your take on, as someone who's a, a league fan but also a coach um, at the highest end, uh, what you've made of the way Andrew Webster's turned the Warriors around. Yeah, he's um, mate, he's uh, done a wonderful job there, having his um, staff. Um, yeah, I think just you can tell they've got a bit of steel about what they do. Um, you know, they don't really shake their responsibilities and when the game gets sort of tough with their um, uh, Warriors of the past have sort of uh, faltered, whereas this group actually um, have got some real steel behind them. And I think it's through the club as well um, that there's a there's a real good group of players that are coming through who sort of don't give up. And, you know, that's what the, the public are looking for is a bunch of players that, you know, really put their best foot forward every game and, you know, play with their hearts, but also, you know, execute the plan that, that needs to be executed. And I just think Andrew Woods has done an awesome job there with the club and, you know, it's only round with the round five, and you know, we've already started to see some really good signs. Uh, but with the NRL, you know, we all know it's you know it's a, it's a long competition, so um, you know the consistency. You know, we're, we're still starting to see that. We'll hopefully see that over the next sort of few months. But yeah, really, really, really pleased with where the Warriors are at and what they're doing, and, and the job they're doing as well at the um, at their place. What's the relationship like with you know NZRL and, and the Warriors? I mean, uh, I imagine that you and Madge, you know, sort of talk a bit. But uh, you know, do you do you can you put your heads together with you know Andrew Webster and share ideas? Do you, do you guys get together and talk or or anything like that? Is there anything facilitated on that front? Yeah, I actually, um, I, I I coach in the reserve grade at the Warriors, so um, spend a lot of time with Andrew Webster and uh, Slade Griffin as well. So. Um, you know, just yeah, always sort of putting things together, always getting a, a take on what they they do and how they do things. So yeah, their relationship's really, really strong. <clears throat> and um yeah, looking forward to uh the year ahead for them. Yeah. Oh mate, that's great to hear, you know, sort of share some of that IP around uh, the game in New Zealand and, and, and try and keep it here and uh, uh we can, you know, build something off it uh for rugby league both internationally and, and and at club level, Ricky. So mate, I really appreciate you giving us some time tonight, mate. Congratulations again on, on re signing through to twenty twenty five and wish you all the best of luck. Awesome. Thanks, Ricardo, and thank you. Uh, mate, any time, any time. Always happy to talk footy with you. It is 13 away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. This is Extra Time, our phone line 0800 150 811 or you can text us double eight double three. It's eight away from nine here on SENZ. This is Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through until 11 o'clock tonight. After 10 o'clock, we're going to hear from Andy Murray from 442 Magazine. Uh, there's a midweek Premier League round on. Uh, we had a bunch of games today, including Chelsea hosting Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. 
the fourth game in a row between these two teams in the league that has finished nil all, would you believe? Uh, so we'll talk to Andy about that and we'll hear from the coaches and a few other things as well. Also, we have Claudia Bunch, the football fern, coming on the show. She is in Turkey with the team. Uh, they are there for two games against Iceland and Nigeria as part of the football ferns build-up to the FIFA World Cup that is here and in Australia in July as well. So listen out for that. We'll hear from Adam Milne in the next hour as well after the Black Caps had a solid victory against Sri Lanka today. We'll get into that more as well and talk about that. And we'll take your calls 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. Uh, Jerry, uh, I'm with you on that bet. He's uh, he's got the Warriors missing the top eight. I've got the make in the top eight. Box of beer sounds good to me, my friend. Uh, so uh, put that put that in writing. Put that in writing. Uh, ben, one thing I did want to bring up with you. I hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet. But Dale Finucan, uh and um, Nia Kore both cop suspensions for hip drops. Now, in the past, hip drop tackles have generally been considered tackles where you've gone on from the side and you drop on the side of a player's leg, which can cause ankle or knee injuries, right? Both of these guys, though, they kind of fell on players' legs after tackling them from behind. So they kind of fall on the back of the legs, which I don't feel is a hip drop. I mean, what was your take on it? Do you you think there's been a change in the way that the referees are calling it? There'll be a change in the way in terms of the referees are calling it, but... It literally might just come down to a simple thing that during the, 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 the pre-season it was brought up by some of the teams and said, you know, can we get a clearer definition on what a hip drop is? And it's the thing, when rules change, it's like they say, the coaches will always find a way to manipulate the rules and things like that and take advantage of it. So I, I kind of felt that it, it, it was a bit weird, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of these ones where... I really don't know what to make of it, but I, I don't like it. But I guess, I guess it's all about, you know, you can't really do much these days, can you? It's just pretty much you can only really tackle between, what is it, the nipple line and the, and the waist, pretty much. Well, no, that's union. Well, it would be like that in, it would be like that in all, all the sport, in all the contact sport, that you can't tackle between. Well, in a league, you can tackle a lot higher than... You can oh, tackle. you can, but what I mean is it's probably going to get to that stage as well where it's something ridiculous like that. Yeah, well, I mean, because the thing that I don't like about rugby, right, one of the things that that frustrates me about rugby is if you wrap an arm over the top of somebody's shoulder in a tackle motion, that's given as a high shot. And I'm like, you know, we're near the head. You're wrapping, you're around the top of the shoulder. And and in league, you see that all the time. It doesn't get called high. So I like it. I like it. This is SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock after 10. Andy Murray joins us from 442 Magazine, a football writer out of the UK. We'll talk the Premier League games that have been this morning. We'll talk the ones coming up tomorrow and the Champions League as well, which is coming plus the managerial merry-go-round. It is 13 managers have now been sacked this season in the Premier League. Also, Claudia Bunge, the football fern, she's going to join us out of Turkey ahead of the football ferns games against Iceland and Nigeria in the coming week. Uh, also text uh, in from Jerry uh, saying, doing my early odds multi, I know it's off topic but does Animo win? Jerry, you'd have to be more specific. I don't know what Animo is. Uh, is that the name of a horse? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, it's not my strong suit, Jerry, so you're probably asking the wrong person but if you give us some more details we might see what we can find out for you. Uh, double eight, double three. 
8811 is the number here on Extra Time. And Mark has called in from Sydney. G'day, Mark. How are you? Oh, a lot better. I've been uh, struggling to get over a sore throat for most of the last week, so I'm mostly over it, which is great. Well, that is good, mate. Uh, whiskey is great medicine. Indeed, indeed. And um, being half Kiwi like I am, I love the uh, form the Kiwi teams are showing. In other, in other words, they're doing a lot better than a lot of Australian teams here at the moment, especially the New Zealand cricket team. Good to see them get a win earlier on the week. Yeah, got another one today, actually, against Sri Lanka in the T20, mate. Chased down 140-odd for, for one. Yeah, yeah, they did really well with that. And uh, nice to see that my top two English soccer teams, Brighton is doing well as always, and Nottingham Forest are out of the relegation zone. They're doing really well. And it's nice to see them back in the top flight after about 23 years out of it. Yeah, it's been a long time between drinks. So I've got to ask you, how can you have two teams? Uh, well, it's like my brother used to live in Brighton. And um, he got me supporting Brighton, and I've always supported Nottingham Forest since I was a kid. And um, so it's great to see, uh, like, you know, everybody's got a first and second team in rugby league, for example. Like, with me, for example, my number one team's the Panthers, my number two team's the Warriors. And um, diehard Warriors supporter. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny because uh, my family's had a lot of birthdays this week. It would have been my dad's. 94th birthday on the 2nd, and then wow. one of my aunts in Westport, one of my aunts in Westport had her, like, 83rd birthday on the same day, and then my brother, who manages the Queen Charlotte Tavern in the Queen Charlotte Sounds, he turned 49 on yesterday. Well, you're going to have to so, come back next year, aren't you? This time next year, you're going to be in New Zealand, because it'll be your brother's 50th. We know that much for free. Indeed. Indeed. Well, put it this way. unless unless they don't let you back in the country, I don't know what your what your what your passport uh, situation's like, Mark. Oh, planning to be back. Planning to be back. Yeah. Although knowing my brother and my family who live in Blenheim and in the sounds, the parties are still raging strong down there. You can probably hear the parties all the way from Auckland. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Hey, uh, so, mate, I was going to ask you too um, about uh, about Brighton. Um, they're flying at the moment, aren't they? Playing some good footy in that result today against Bournemouth. I think the last home game Bournemouth had, they beat Liverpool 1-0. So to go there and get a 2-0 win is pretty impressive. They did really well. And uh, along those lines, I really, really still wish Graham Potter was still with Brighton. Because in my opinion, yes, Chelsea is a grand team, as you were, on the same level as like Liverpool and Arsenal and Manchester City and Manchester United. But to be honest, I think he should have stayed with Brighton because he was doing wonders with them. And it's not so much him, but it's just the, shall we say, um, gormlessness of Chelsea as a team because they just can't gel. It's like they're a bunch of... Um, it's like you're trying to put a bunch of rugby union players and chess players in the same team. These guys just aren't gelling on the field. They're not gelling off the field. They don't know how to coordinate all their strategies on the field to, you know, like get the ball between themselves fluidly to score goals. None of them are scoring goals. And all the off-field, shall we say, chaos that's happening with them, they're worse than um, Manchester United was at their worst under Alex Ferguson. Yeah, they're not travelling particularly well, mate. From what I understand... Um, a big part of it was that there's a, there's a big contingent of uh, French-speaking players there who none of them took him seriously. Um, and because his surname was Potter, they either called him Hogwarts or Harry. 
Um, yeah, and, and uh, that guy, uh, what's his name, Murduk, the uh, Ukrainian winger that he signed, um, they refer to him as Malfoy, apparently. Um, so there's, there's it's certainly a lack of respect there, and I, I guess whoever they get in next is going to have to be somebody that can command respect for that squad, or or possibly both is going to happen. They're going to have to have a clear out uh, because you can't have players acting like that. Yeah. In my opinion, the best move would be a clear out. It's just burn the whole thing down and start over. Well, because, I, I mean, the problem they've got is they've spent six hundred million pounds in the last year on players, uh, and they've yeah. ma- had massive losses in the last two years, and they're not going to be yeah. champ- getting Champions League money next year. So uh, they're in danger of falling foul of financial fair play rules, and then getting penalised yeah. for that and having a transfer ban. So he's, I think they've got a first team squad. There are thirty four players, which is probably yeah. about ten too many um, you'd yeah. have to say because you're trying to train that many players and keep that many players interested and engaged is is, is, is pretty tough so I think yeah, it's going to be um, a revolving door at Chelsea come the, uh, come oh, the end of yeah. summer I reckon Potter's probably thanking you know every lucky star he's got and got on you know that he's out the door at Chelsea because he's just avoided a lot of headaches I reckon yeah. because the way the way he's going with coaching form any team would be glad to pick him up. Well, I, th- I, I mean, I think, you know, he's probably taken a little bit of a hit to his reputation, but I, I think it's more Todd Bowley than than him. Uh, I yeah. do I do think that there's probably, like, you know, he could go, like, he's already been offered the Leicester job and turned it down because he wanted some time away from the game, which I, I get. Yeah. Uh, so That's I true. think, uh, you know, teams like Leicester, I think he's he, he's still got great reputation for those jobs, but I think, you know, the the Champions League clubs, if you like, the Arsenal's, the uh, Cities, the Liverpool's, etc., are probably he's probably, you know, got to reestablish himself and go again if he wants to have uh, another crack at a job like that. Yeah, I reckon a good move for him would be if he went to Europe, like not so much England, but some of the European leagues, like say Bundesliga in Germany or the Swiss league, because um, <clears throat> I follow the. Uh, the English Premier League, but besides that, I do follow the Bundesliga, and I do follow the Swiss League because I got a lot of friends in Switzerland. And uh, one of the best teams there would be FC Basel. And uh, if you recall, a few years back, they did the Swiss national team had a guy called Alex Fry, who was their captain and their number one striker. Uh, they do they've got really good players there. I believe there's a guy Shakiri, and he's still active, and he was playing when. Um, Alex Fry was in the World Cup, which was 2010-ish, and he's still playing. He's one of the best players in Switzerland, not only that, but Europe as well. So I reckon if he sort of took the low-key approach and um, went with one of the other European leagues and built himself up that way, that might be a good move for it. Well, I mean, that's how he got the Brighton job, right? He he basically went to, uh, I can't remember the name of the team, but it was a team in Sweden, got them promoted to the Swedish top division and won the Swedish top division with them, and that's kind of how he got noticed by Brighton and picked up yep. here. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's yep. certainly not afraid of taking those risks, Mark. No, good call, mate, good call. And about the only thing I think's going for uh, Chelsea that's positive at the moment is in terms of uh, who pulls the money strings is that they're not the Glazers. Because the, the amount of grief that Manchester United had with the Glazers as the owners, I'm sure no other club would want that type of grief. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, and hopefully that'll all be over soon. As a United fan, I say that because the sale is supposed Indeed. to go through before uh, before June. So we'll have to keep an eye, Mark. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your call, mate. Have a good night. Thanks a lot, Ricardo.
Yeah, you too. Okay. Cheers, mate. It is nine past nine here on SENZ Extra Time. You can call us anytime, 0800 150811. Uh, we, talk, we have been talking NRL. Uh, if you've got a, a question on the NRL, feel free free to hit us up on that, 0800 150811, as we get into uh, look at the next round. Uh, the Storm and the Roosters get underway tomorrow night. Drew Peacock has uh, texted us through on double eight double three says uh do the warriors keep up their form that's a million dollar question drew um we would ben and i were talking earlier ben's got the warriors to win this weekend i've got a sneaking suspicion the newcastle will get it done it is in newcastle and newcastle have shown a bit of form of late they drew 32 all with the seagulls last week they beat the titans the week before that they seem to be turning things around uh ben what do you think uh have you got an answer for drew Look, it comes back to the whole thing we're talking about injuries, suspensions, the, the whole lot. So lots of it would depend on who's fit and who's available. Like I think with a lot of teams, if the Warriors do lose a couple of players, let's say a Sean Johnson goes down injured and we lose Wade Egg into another head knock, then yeah, they probably will struggle because there are backups, but some of them haven't really stood up as much as we'd like. But we look at the uh, schedule coming up for them. So we set, set, touched on that they got the Knights uh, this weekend. Then they come back home and they play uh, North Queensland at Mount Smart, which will be their uh, second home game in Auckland. And then your next three, well, I'd say ne- four of your next five games are absolutely brutal. So then after the Cowboys, they have the Storm on their an- annual Anzac Day clash. Five days later, against the Roosters back at home, then you face the Penrith Panthers, then the Bulldogs, and then the unbeaten Broncos. The Broncos won't be unbeaten by then. No, they won't. They, no, they won't be unbeaten. But you look at those one, two, three, four, five the next seven games, which will be roughly the midpoint of the season. Yeah, it's a very it's a very tough run coming up. So. The the Warriors have shown thus far has been very good, even in that one loss against the Roosters. But this block will be a huge test for them. And if they can stay fit, they can stay healthy, they don't lose too many players to suspension. Look, there's no reason why the Warriors can't keep up the form. They've shown that they can keep it up. I know it's only been five games. But that's the most consistent. (laughs) Look, let's be honest, the most consistent the Warriors have been in forever. So... They're showing they can do it, so based on the evidence we've seen, they can. But whether they can do it week in, week out, as I say, Knights, Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers, that's just the next five, that's the next month, your next five games in the next month. That's tough, and then you throw the Broncos and on towards the end of the month. I know they'll have, I think they've got a buy in between there as well, but. So that's two points. Yeah, that's two points. But look, very this this will be the period near the next month we'll have a better understanding. I think if you told me at the start of the season the Warriors would be four and one after five, I would have hundred percent taken it. Even three and two, I would have taken it. So the fact that they're four and one, I think it's pleasing, but real, real 
intense schedule coming up here. Yeah, the one New Zealand Warriors has certainly got a tough run coming up. You want to talk Warriors, you can do 0800 150 811, 0800 150 So looking at those games that they've got coming up, the Knights, the Cowboys, the Storm, the Roosters, is that what you said the next four are? Yeah, and then you've got the Panthers, which is on the 6th of May. So essentially those are the next five games they've got coming up in the next month. The, the Storm and the Roosters one is in five days of each other, so they got to fly to Melbourne for the Anzac Day game. They haven't beaten the Storm since the Nathan Friend backflip. Would wow, you believe it? That long? Yeah, so it has been, it has been quite a while uh, since, since they've done it, and I think... I think that might have been the same year. It was 2014. The Warriors haven't, haven't won the Anzac Day game. Right. They've come close a few times, but there's also been some mighty blowouts. But this is not the same Storm team. But the fact they just got five days in to back it up against the Roosters who have already beaten them this year, although the game will be in New Zealand. That's, so I reckon that period there where they're really playing some of the heavyweights. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Warriors fans, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. The one New Zealand Warriors, their next six games that Ben was just talking about then, how many W's do you give them? How many W's the next six games? Give us a call, 0800 150 or going to I was going to say, look, looking at those games, I'd, I would probably be happy if they got three. Oh, I think they'd be doing really well if they got yeah, three. And and that that's and that's no disrespect to the way they're playing. That's just due to the respect of the quality of the opposition they've got coming up. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point. But uh, keen to hear from you. If you're a fan of the One New Zealand Warriors, give us a call. 0800-150-811. Those next six games, how many Ws do they get? What concerns you? What are you liking from Andrew Webster and his boys? Give us a call. 0800-150-811. It is quarter past nine. We're playing lullabies now. Playing lullabies. Nineteen past nine here on Extra Time. No, nah, it was. I, I just grabbed the Harry Potter music because you were talking about the Harry Potter references, and I thought it was just relevant. Ah, uh, right. Okay. No fear. Fear. I didn't recognise it to be honest. I was like, "What's going on?" Well, here? To, to be fair, to be fair though, the guy from Ukraine, he would make a great Malfoy. To be fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So it's, it's probably not the worst shout. Not the worst shout. I wonder, wonder if. Wonder if he's because he hasn't gone so well at Chelsea. I'm wondering whether he's gonna give up and he's going to star in this reported HBO Harry Potter reboot. Wow, I didn't know that was happening. Well, it's, important, it's what you read on social media, Ricardo. Okay. All right, okay, good to know. Uh, if you need to know anything about Harry Potter, Ben has got his finger on the pulse. Uh, I do like Harry Potter. That's what we've learned. Okay, great, good to know, good to know. Uh, Jerry has texted back through, he he keeps wanting to put a box of beer on the Warriors not making the eight. He's happy, saying he's happy to make it a nationwide bet now, and it's a 24 box, not a 12, by the way. Thanks, Jerry, for clarifying. I Lachlan's called through from Christchurch. G'day, Lachlan. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Lance. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, what did you want to talk tonight? Oh, mate, just the Warriors. Obviously, how good they've been. I mean, what a what a journey it's been so far, and it's only been five weeks. So it's, uh, actually, um, I listened to the call on, on Sunday uh, while I was out doing a few uh, few food deliveries. I'll tell you what, I was, I was fist pumping in the car when he when he uh, when he kicked that goal. But um, yeah, I just wanted to obviously discuss the the next. Was it about the next six games coming up? You guys, you guys mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the next six that are coming up. Ben, you've got them there, haven't you? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, sorry, I just thought I hit the wrong button there. So they've got the uh, Knights this weekend. Then you got the Cowboys. That's back here. Back here. Then you have got the Storm over in Melbourne. Then you've got the Roosters uh, back in New Zealand, and then they face the Panthers, which I also believe is here. So, oh, sorry, it's the Suncorp. It's at Suncorp. So that's the Magic Round game. Magic Round. 
Yeah, look, look, I'll tell you what. Like, if you're looking at those, say, five games, this may sound a bit controversial, but I'd take one out of four of them as long as that one game is the Anzac, Anzac Day game against the Storm. If they beat the Storm in Anzac Day, I, I don't care about the other five games. Wow, okay. Um, that, that, that's, that's how crooked's been the past two years, supporting the Warriors and, and seeing, especially last year when they had, what, 70 put on them. Um, I mean, if they can, if they can pull, look, I'm not, in all honesty, I probably think they beat the the Knights, the Cowboys, and yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe the Roosters because they've got them at home, um, but that would be a tall order. But yeah, look, I mean, the honestly, when, when it comes to the Anzac Day game, I think in the lead up of that game, they should just play last year's game on repeat for the lads every single day. Play that game on repeat, make them sit down and watch it, and if that doesn't get them wanting to run through walls, I don't know what would. That'll certainly fire them up. So, okay, so we've got the Knights this weekend, mate, and I, I um, said to Ben, you know, there's a couple of things about that game that made me think I lean towards the Knights. One, that they managed to get that draw. They were certainly not favoured at all last weekend, but they got that draw against Manly 32 all, and they came back in that game. Uh, they beat the Titans the week before, and I just I look at the team lists, um, and I really like what the Knights have got on paper, and I know the game's not paid, played on paper, but Lockie Miller's going to ride at full-back. Uh, then Dom Young and Greg Marshew on the wings. Dane Gagai and Bradman Best. I mean, you put them against Viliami Vailea and Adam Pompey, and um, there's only one winner, I think. Uh, I think we'll probably have them in the halves. But then you mm. look at that, that forward pack, particularly their, their edge forwards, Tyson Frizzell, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. I mean, how confident are you against the Knights this weekend? Look, I mean... Yeah, it's a tough one. I think uh, historically we actually don't go that well in Newcastle. Um, I, I, I can't think. I would say we've probably at least lost our last maybe three or four there. It's going to be a tough one. and I don't know. I think I, I think you're right. I think this is probably a game where complacency might, might start to kick in. Um, that night's team seemed pretty fired up. And, and even without Caleb Pong out, like they're, they're playing some pretty decent footy. I'd say... Yeah, look, I mean, when you look across the team, I'm kind of scrolling through the team list now. Like, it doesn't really seem to be a lot of weaknesses except for in the halves. Um, so, I mean, if we can kind of win that battle, that, that might go a long way for us to, to winning the game. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tall, tall ask uh, one way or another. Uh, the stats department have just told me that uh, 2019 was the last time we won in Newcastle. 2019, yeah, yeah. So what would that be, about three or four games? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah I, I yeah. I mean, probably when I look at our bench, I think that can be one of our real strengths. Obviously, like with Walker, Tavanga and Curran coming on, I think that'll be one of our real, you know, where, where we could probably, where it could be won or lost. But, um, yeah, I hope, look, I hope we do. It's a, it's a great time slot, actually, with the uh, Easter Monday. Obviously, everyone having the day off on the Monday. So the, the 8.15 time slot on a Sunday night doesn't seem too bad uh, this week. No, no, it seems all right, mate. It seems all right. Um, so we go from there. I'm just looking. I'll just go through these games with you. The Cowboys. Now, we beat them up there after going back uh, behind 8-0. We seem to be playing all our double, well, you know, all the games we're playing, uh, all the teams we're playing twice. We're getting it out of the way early um, because we've already mm. played the Knights as well. Uh, Cowboys back here, I, I, I think the way they're going, you'd fancy you'd fancy the Warriors to win back here against the Cowboys, wouldn't you? Yeah, Cowboys look lost at the moment. I don't know what's going on with them, but they just they just seem really lost. Um, but I think they felt like they could just kind of waltz in and, and pick up from where they left off last year. But uh, obviously the competition changes, and, and uh, yeah, they, they've pretty much kept the same team, uh, I believe. But uh, maybe they've lost a couple of couple of key players to the Dolphins or a couple of fringe players to the Dolphins. But 
yeah, look, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with him at the moment. Mm. Uh, then obviously the storm. But I think we should win that. I think we should win. Yeah, I mean the storm this weekend. I think uh, well tomorrow night actually against the Roosters. I, I think the Roosters will win that with Joey Manu at fullback. But uh, yeah, the storm in Melbourne's always interesting. It isn't the storm that we've known of the last few years, and they have struggled a little, a little bit. Uh, I mean, if if we you know look do a bit of glass uh, glass uh, crystal ball gazing, I should say, uh, lose to the Knights, beat the Cowboys, come into that storm game. What are you thinking? I mean. If, if, if this year isn't their chance to, you know, to get one over the storm on Anzac Day, then I, I really don't know when the next one's going to be. It's, um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the last time, and I guess the stats guys will be able to be able to sort this out. But I believe the last time we won in Melbourne was, I'm going to say around 2014. Yeah, that's exactly and right. That could be. Well, yeah, 2014. Yeah, so so I mean, what? That's that's nine years ago. I mean, we. There was a t- there was a period there between I think it was around 2010 to 2014 where we were we had the wood over the storm. We would go we would go into Melbourne and we would do a job on them and then, yeah, obviously that seems to have gone away. But um yeah look I mean I think this is the uh, the Anzac Day game should be so you know important to these guys and obviously for everything it stands for. Um, but I think that's the one that I've really kind of penciled or well, kind of circled in the calendar where you know that was I mean if they lose if they lose the next three or four games but they win that one, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, well, the game after that is only f- it's a five day turnaround, right? So it's it's a mm-hmm. short week, and it's the Roosters at home. It's a tough gig. Yeah, a, I mean, what are these blokes doing with a draw? Like we've we've travelled what thirty? Oh, how many how many thousand kilometres already? You know, like you'd think they'd be trying to look after us a wee bit after obviously all the sacrifices that the Warriors made over the past few years to keep the comp going. But geez, they're getting a tough run. Well, to be honest, mate, I, I reckon Kevy Walters did the draw. Um, because uh, I think I, somebody was telling me the Broncos only leave Queensland five times this season. That's, that's criminal. That's absolutely criminal. I think they, they play over here, don't they? But they, they play in uh, in Hawke's Bay, Palmerston North, I believe it is. But uh, man, I, my heart bleeds for them having to travel over to New Zealand. I don't know how they're going to how they're going to manage that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, because I, mean, I, I think the the Magic Round game, which is of course at Suncorp, is one of their away games. How I don't know how they've managed to fudge that. There you go. I don't know who's running the shop there, but uh, he's a Queenslander. Yeah, I mean, whoever he is. Like that you, yeah, when you when you look at it, you know, when you look at it like that, it's just like you know, no wonder they're top of the table. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, I mean, they they need the Broncos to play in the top eight in order for you know the the interest in Queensland, you know, which is such a rugby league stronghold, to to remain high. So. I guess that that speaks volumes. It does. Well, the Dolphins uh, might, might be helping a bit on that front. So, you, so you go the Roosters five days after the storm, but back here, then go to Brisbane and play the Panthers in Magic Crown at SunCorp, and then six days later, the Bulldogs back in uh, Sydney. Mm. So, um, look, it's a tough, it's a tough run. That's that, a real tough run. So, I think, especially with these next couple of games coming up, Knights and Cowboys, I think we really need to. You know, like if we can afford to drop a few games, I, I really think we need to win these next two games at least. And now I hope they do it. I hope they they, they do it against the Knights. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to really test them and, and actually show whether you know the Warriors are actually for the you know the real deal this year or if they're you know they're they're pretenders. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to it one way or another. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Hey, Lachlan, thanks very much for your call. Uh, and just uh, yeah, finally, uh, the the Broncos 
uh, is the game after the dogs as well. But I think that's back here. So, but yeah, woof, yeah what a run that is. Game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Go well. Oh, just before you actually, just before you go, there was something that Kempi floated a little while ago. Now you, you're obviously a big league fan and a big Warriors fan. Uh, he mm-hmm. was talking about there being a second New Zealand franchise. He his take. Get the North, uh, get North Sydney Bears. You know the people that that, that have been battling on about trying to get their franchise back. Take it to Christchurch and have the Southern Bears out of Christchurch. Get the Crusaders involved as part of the the ownership group. Given you're in Christchurch, yeah. what happens then, mate? Do you do, would you would you support the Southern Bears or are you start sticking with the oh, Warriors? I tell you what, like I mean, yeah, absolutely, I would. Uh, and you know, we've got the new stadium coming in, but that's probably coming in about what about three to four years. So I reckon they said that one's you know that, that that's not far away. So I mean, what better way? Um, what better way to kind of welcome in that new stadium with a, with another franchise? So. Absolutely, I would. I'd jump on board. I. It would be hard to kind of go away from supporting the Warriors because it's who I've supported all my life. Mm. Um, but yeah, to kind of get another New Zealand team in there, it would be, um, you know, it'd be great, and it would be a first for the, you know, for like the whole New Zealand teams playing in Australian franchises. Like we've got the Breakers, we've got uh, the Phoenix. You know, it would be a real kind of groundbreaking moment to actually have a second team, um, you know, from New Zealand in, in, in one of those competitions and. And hopefully that would transcend across to uh, you know to other sports like the you know the A League and um, and the NBL. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Good stuff, Lachlan. Thanks very much for calling, bro. And uh, uh, feel free to pick up the phone any time, eh? Hey, too easy, lads. Thanks. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, mate. There we go. Uh, Lachlan out of Christchurch. You can call us as well. 0800-150-811 is the number. We're going to be talking football after 10, but if you want to talk football before then, we can do so. We can talk more NRL, or maybe you didn't get a chance to have your say when we had the Super Rugby shows going and you want to talk that. Let us know. 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811. Or you can text us double eight double three. It's a quarter away from, uh, sorry, a quarter, a 25 away from 10 here on SENZ uh, Extra Time. I can tell you the, there is a live game of football on from the A-League. It is the Melbourne Derby, Melbourne City versus Melbourne Victory. Uh, the reason this game is going on now is because it was a game that was abandoned when it was initially played because of crowd trouble. Uh, and the Melbourne City keeper got smacked in the face with a metal bucket. Uh, and so they called the game off. Now, I think pretty much any other league... They would have just awarded a 3-0 win to Melbourne City because it was Melbourne Victory fans with a problem uh, and uh, called that it. But the A-League have decided in all their wisdom that the, that game needs to be uh, not replayed because it was, I think, 21 minutes in or something, uh, but actually played from the 21st minute. Oh, um, you're kidding. So that's what they've done. So it was 1-0 when the game was abandoned, so it started 1-0 in the 21st minute with a drop ball to the keeper. <laughs> I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> All right. It's half time anyway, and it's still 1-0, um, is, is the uh, guts of it. Well, I'll keep you updated with that, how it goes. The, the funny thing is, Scott Jamison is the captain of, of Melbourne City, right? He got sent off last week in the game against Newcastle. You're supposed to be, when you're sent off, right, you're suspended for your next, at least your next game, depending on what the... He's not suspended for this game because this game started before that game. So he's suspended <laughs> for the game after. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah you wrap your head around that. That is, that, yeah, that's, I don't know what they're doing. But there you go. That's, uh, that's peak A-League. Peak A-League right there.
Right there. Um, we'll talk more football after 10 o'clock. Claudia Bunch, football fan, and uh, Andy Murray, a journalist from 442 Magazine in the UK, is coming on as well. A couple of more texts through from Jerry, um, who's uh, li- been listening all night. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, uh, Cowboys, have a few guns back. Drink water and cotter, their uh, class lineup. That's a loss for mine. So, okay, you're saying that. Melbourne are coming back. Huge last week over the Rabbits. Yeah, I think they might get found out tomorrow night against the Roosters, but we'll see. The Roosters are too classy. This week it's uh, hard to win in the Hunter. Uh, this week it's hard to win in the Hunter. Okay, so saying won't beat Newcastle. Penrith is too hard. Bulldogs is winnable if we have any legs left. And the Broncos, no chance. So that's uh, Jerry giving uh, the Warriors basically one win out of, out of that run of six games, Ben. Which he's he's entitled to say, but essentially, what is what is difficult this year is based on what you've seen from the Warriors. That's the tricky part because of the Warriors of old, you were probably going hundred percent, or the Warriors of last year. But if the Warriors can maintain it, this is this is the question: Can the Warriors maintain it, and can they maintain it during a tough schedule? So we are we can only presume based on what we've seen, as as we can say injuries can change everything for the Warriors and all these other teams they play. So look, there's every chance they could go one and five or whatever in their next few games, but there's also a chance that they could easily go three and four based on the way they're playing. And that's that's essentially what we're basing it on, is if that they keep it up. And you touched on the on the player ratings I did at, at eight o'clock and the one thing which was a standout for me is that it's the same guys that are stepping up and if these guys are the ones that are performing it seems like that is what can get the Warriors over the line. Mm. If you get a couple of these other guys that step up a little bit, that's great because some of them have had good games, some of them have not so good games like Fenua Blake. He's had, he's had, I think he's had a bit of a mixed bag this year. So lots of it does come down to these key guys and if they are fit and healthy because who knows who could go down for any of the teams and, and that's you know, you, it's very hard to predict. But based on what you've seen from the Warriors this year, you expect them to at least compete. But I think even if they did go one or just get one or two wins, but there's that effort there, I think that the Warriors fans could accept that. Uh, Like Lachlan said, I think the one, though, that I'd say all Warriors fans want is that Anzac Day game because there is that history there. And it has been a bit of one-way traffic. And for the most part, it usually is the storm... Well, since the Warriors last won, it's usually the Storm have had a big win, then the next game's been close, big win, close. You get the pattern I'm going down here. Yeah, totally. Uh, so based on that sort of history, you'd expect this one to be close. And even in a couple of those close ones, the Warriors were were dudded. Uh, there was the one game where I think from memory, uh, I can't remember who it was, but I think one of the – it might have been like a – I was going to say Sam Lassie, Sam Lassoni, sorry – a player like that was pinged for interfering with the play of the ball, which Jesse Bromwich did, and then the Storm got a penalty from right in front, which won them the game. But the match review committee came out and said that was actually the wrong call, um, and it should have been a loose ball carry to the, the Storm. So the, the Warriors have had those chances, and as I say, based on what you've seen this year, there's no reason why they can't go to Melbourne and end that streak. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens between the Storm and the Roosters tomorrow night. That might give us a bit of an idea of exactly where the Storm team are at. Exactly. The Storm haven't been perfect either this year, but they've kind of got that pedigree of being such a dominant side over the last two years. The last, more than two years, duh. Um, 
but they're getting players back as well. So, but who knows? Guys can go down, and this is where it gets tricky because we're we're looking quite a way ahead, and there's lots of factors that play into it. Yeah, tons of factors that play into it. Uh, Jerry also says, I think if New Zealand were to have a second team in the NRL, New Zealand Rugby League would have to step in and start contracting all the under twenties and keeping them here for our professional teams. Which I, I think that's got to be on the professional teams. I know what you're saying, but I think that's got to be on the professional teams. But uh, I think the Warriors are starting to get their act together again on the age group stuff. Uh, it would be great though if we had a second team because you keep more players here, and uh, you know there's an opportunity for them to to really uh, test themselves against each other as well. It is 18 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. This is Extra Time. 0800 811, our number. 0800 811, or you can text us double eight double three. It's 13 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ Extra Time. And earlier today, there was a game of cricket involving the Black Caps. And uh, they, they got a big win, actually, against Sri Lanka. It was a, a T20 match. And got to say, uh, absolutely outstanding performance, particularly from Adam Milne, who, of course, has had his injury problems. Feel sorry for the bloke because uh, great fast bowler when he's on, but he seems to get going and then get pulled up by an injury. But uh, New Zealand bowled Sri Lanka all out in the 19th over for 141, and Adam Milne took 5 for 26 off his four overs. Uh, Ben Lister, who was on debut, took 2 for 26 off his 4. Henry Shipley, 1 for 25 off 3. Rachin Ravindra, 1 for 24 off 3. Jimmy Neesham, 1 for 20 off 2. Ishshodi bowled 3 overs for 17 without taking a wicket. Uh, In reply, New Zealand... Uh, managed to chase the total down 146 for one. They finished in the 15th over. Chad Bowes at the top out for 31 off 15 balls. Uh, Tim Seifert not out 79 off 43 balls, including three fours and six sixes. And Tom Latham, 20 off 30 as well, steadying the ship at the other end. But of course, man of the match had to be Adam Milne with his five for 26, and he spoke post-match. Yeah, it feels great. Obviously, um, having played a number of games in New Zealand and not picked up a Fifer, it's really special to um, do it today. Yeah, I mean, what did it feel like today? How did you feel about your bowling play? Um, I think early on we were just sort of trying to find, hit a good length and, and see what the wicket was doing. Um, I mean, recently it's been a very good T20 wicket here. Um, there was a little bit of sort of slowness in, in, in the wicket early, so I think we were just trying to bowl back at length and try and get them to play some tough shots. And I think, um, you know, as a group of bowlers, we bowled really well through that middle period and able to take consistent wickets, which means you have your 8, 9, 10 at the end and you can target the stumps a little bit more. But I'm fair to ask the bowler this, but what do you think a pass score might have been out uh, It's a great question. I'm not sure. I think... There hasn't been a lot of T20 internationals here, um, so I think some, you know, with a wicket like that, maybe somewhere 180 would be a, a decent pass score. What was it like out there? Good crowd, I think just under 3,000. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, a, yeah, it was a great atmosphere. Um, really enjoyed playing, and the crowd was really vocal and, and into it, so it was great. What were you focused on going into the decider? Were there anything, anything in this particular game you could have done better as a team? What, what would be your focus next? Um, I mean, I think this was a, a pretty polished performance. Um, I think still taking some learnings from, obviously, just adjusting to the wicket. Obviously, Queenstown will be a little bit different, some bigger boundaries. So it'll just be um, just be making sure you're, you're clear and adjust um, to the new ground. Mm-hmm. Do you think 
you uh, what did you take into this game from the first game where perhaps things didn't as a following unit go perhaps as well as you would have liked? Um, I think on the whole we were sort of just trying to bowl a little bit more back of a length today, just restrict um, the strong shots of the Sri Lankans who were playing um, obviously attacked us down the ground at short um, Eden Park boundaries. But I think on the whole it was always just adjusting to the wicket. Um, guys were being very proactive with fields and changing fields, bowling um, to the side that hadn't had the big breeze. So, um, yeah, I think it was just um, some good tactics from the guys. Uh, winning the toss, uh, could you tell if the wicket changed much out there? Was it a good toss to bowl first? Um, well, yeah, it certainly seems like it was. I think maybe after with the sun on it for a bit of that first part, maybe it just came on a little bit nicer in the second innings. I sort of felt at the start um, there was a little bit of slowness and like a little bit of nibble um, with the new ball. So, um, yeah, I certainly felt like it maybe it came on a little bit nicer in the second innings. I just had a quick scroll through your stats for internationals, ODIs and T20s and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you've had four. So uh, was five, has five been something that you sort of thought, well, I'd like to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you always dream of, of taking five wickets for New Zealand. Um, yeah, I thought as I had sort of three um, in that last over with a couple of the tail enders in, I was certainly <laughs> feeling like a little bit greedy and trying to go in for the stumps a little bit. And do you, um, mind it's hard to say that they're inexperienced because the, well, they're inexperienced at this level perhaps, but do you have much to do with some of the other sort of pace bowlers and getting them, you know, sort of up to what's required? Um, but I haven't dealt much with um, Henry Shipley or Ben Lister, obviously from different domestic teams, but um, coming into this environment, those guys are obviously very clear and, um, you know, being part of the one-day set-up in the, in the one-day as beforehand, I think, you know, they've obviously performed really well and, and performed magnificently to get to this level. So I think it's just about relaying that message that it's just to continue to do what got you here. And you've come back from the injury, uh, you know, a good summer with Wellington. So do you feel we know where you're at and you've got Pakistan coming up and that sort of thing? How do you feel about the situation for you at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I just always try and take it one game at a time, I think. You know, I've had uh, a little bit of a, a pass with injuries and coming and going, so I'm just trying to enjoy playing for New Zealand um, when the opportunity comes. And I think, you know, having the tour to Pakistan, um, a pretty big tour with five one-days and five T20s, would be a great opportunity to, to play some good cricket. Um, I think, you know, just trying to keep on top of the body, keep it strong and, and healthy. Um, I guess just being on top of the recovery and just, I found like more consistent in terms of bowling and, and playing games, the better my bowling gets. So it's just trying to find those ways to help keep me on the park, um, whether it's just, you know, looking after yourself after games and um, make, maybe making sure you're not bowling too many overs and training. Um, I think it's just about being smart with, with your, your body, really. No, no, I haven't had that happen often. I feel like there might have been a little bit of hairline crack or something in it before to make that sort of a, a smash, but certainly a nice feeling to break a bat. Were you aware afterwards how, how rare those fingers were? I think it was an interesting two before you. Um, not in particular like the 
overall stats. I know that you know Fifers, having played myself a lot of a lot of T20 cricket, don't come around often. So certainly something special to savour, and you know a memory that I'll um, you know take along with me past my career. Just one more. Um, so you say you only take one game at a time, but I'm going to press you on this. Tour of Pakistan's a big one with you know the World Cup that later in the year that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, like to achieve getting their bands. Yeah, I'd love to be part of the the World Cup team. Um, yeah, like I said, the the Pakistan one day is a obviously a good test before that in, in subcontinent conditions. So yeah, as a team and, and individually, if you can perform, then you put yourself in with a chance to to get picked, which I would love to do. And you've never, I mean, because not many people have played in Pakistan, obviously. No. So. Know, um, what would you take from being there perhaps and saving that up? Yeah, um, I know obviously Jimmy Neesham's played there recently in the PSL. Um, a few of the guys obviously played the, the test matches in the, in the one days a few months ago. So um, we'll certainly be leaning on those guys and, and learning about the environment and the, and the conditions and um, taking it from them. So that's uh, Adam Milne talking post-match after taking his five for 26 today. Uh, There is a third game coming up on Saturday in Queenstown. New Zealand are big favourites, paying $1.35, Sri Lanka $3. And then after that, yep, as you heard in that interview, uh, the Black Caps off to Pakistan for a few games. So we'll uh, keep an eye on those for you as well. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to catch up with football fern Claudia Bunge. The football ferns are in Turkey for a couple of games against Iceland and Nigeria as they continue to prepare for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. We'll uh, get the latest from her and see how that team is going and uh, also talk about her club form because she's going, going very well with the Melbourne Victory women's team. They, when she comes back... It's weird, they've got this break now, like an international break. When they come back, it's straight into the semi-finals and they play Melbourne City in the semi-final. Update for you from that game in the A-League, Melbourne City are 2-0 up now against Melbourne Victory with half an hour to play. Coming up, uh, we'll also talk to 442 football journalist out of the UK, Andy Murray as well. All of that and more coming your way after this. It has just gone 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Extra time and uh, 2-0 still to Melbourne City over Melbourne victory in the delayed game. Uh, joining us now, uh, the ultimate freestyler out of the UK from 442 Magazine, amongst others, Andy Murray. How are you, sir? Never been described as that before, but I approve. Yeah, <laughs> on the TV. <laughs> Put it there, mate. I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you about this. Uh, now, I got you on to talk Premier League football predominantly, but I've got to tell you about this, mate, because uh, this is... What's the best way I can put it? Probably, um, I'm going to roll with batshit. Uh, let's just go with that. Um, I don't know that any other league in the world would have done this, but the A-League at the moment, um, this game that's on this Melbourne derby, is actually a game that was originally played in December um, and abandoned about the 21st minute because of crowd trouble, uh, which resulted in uh, fans coming on the pitch, the Melbourne City goalkeeper being assaulted, it wasn't pretty at all. Am I right in thinking that if that happened in any other league in the world, the team whose fans were at fault would be basically have to wear a three nil loss, and that would be a, you, you carry on, right? Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. I'm certainly surprised that if it's you know the home team's fans who can't be trusted to uh, not assault the opposition goalkeeper, then then they would usually yeah lose the game 
I mean, three nil is, is, I think, is the standard yeah. uh, punishment for for you know like abandoning a game. But um, but yeah, it does seem weird because otherwise, you know, if you you know four nil down or whatever at uh, at home, then you might as well just invade the pitch and uh, and then that's a three nil three nil loss, lick your wounds, and then uh, 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 or or even or not even that, not even that if it's if if it's Australia, get the game called off and then play it again and uh, have another go. The seasons well, have never end. Well, not only are they are they playing it, it's not so much that they're playing it again; it's that they're finishing the match, Andy. So the match started. Oh, right. oh, okay. The match so started today with a drop ball in the twenty-first minute. Christ, yeah, that is. That, uh, I am struggling to explain that one. If I'm being brutally honest, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's plenty of uh, cases of crowd trouble, unfortunately, in the history of football, and usually the perpetrators lose the game, and um, uh, and on we go. It's not often that the that uh, that you get to finish the game from the point that the that the match was abandoned. I mean, like you know, if there's like I don't know, floodlight floodlight failure, you know, stuff like that 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 happens, and and yeah, okay, fair enough. But um, because the, the the home crowd can't control themselves, seems yeah, and that seems uh, very wrong. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, and and to add to this. Um, there's a couple of things, Andy. I, you, there, I can, there could be a story in this for you, all right? So uh, to add to it, uh, Scott Jamison, who's the captain of Melbourne City, got sent off last week. So he should be suspended. But because this game kicked off before that game happened where he got sent off, he's allowed to play this game continually. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. which is it, it's tough. But then this is the, this is the cracker for you, mate. Aidan O'Neill opened the scoring for this, uh, in this game uh, three months ago. In the eleventh minute, and he has scored the second goal. Th- uh, what's this? I'm just doing some quick maths on the on the fly. Three months and forty six minutes later. I mean, couldn't he have hurried up a bit? I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's I mean, that is ridiculous. That has to be the longest that anybody has ever gone between scoring in the same game. I mean, that yeah. is, uh, it is yeah. They they have created. Uh, the the A League, it would seem, have created, I mean, uh, a monstrous knot for themselves to try and get out of. Um, that is that is very very strange. Um, like in the past, when replayed games of, uh, well, not replayed, but you know, uh, restarting postponed games, it usually happens like a de- like the following day or you know two or three days later. I appreciate that probably might not have been been possible with the league calendar before but surely that's better than waiting three months and uh you know what would have happened if like somebody had broken their leg uh in the in the intervening three months and weren't fit to to play in this one do you do do you have to use a substitute Mm. uh before the game before the game starts but uh through no fault of your own it's just seems to be a really really strange decision yeah it's it's yeah i think i I, you know, I wanted to explain it to you further, but I think I, I nailed it first time out, mate. Uh, let, let's <laughs> let's talk uh, something that's far less interesting: um, a mid-table clash from Stamford Bridge this morning that finished in a law. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, I, it, the the game, it's, the first hour was actually as nil nils go. The first hour was pretty good. Um, uh, both teams uh, were making 
so many mistakes. You can you can see confidence is pretty low at both Chelsea and Liverpool at the moment. Um, but um, the Chelsea had their chances throughout the game, but especially in the in the first hour, Kai Havertz had a goal disallowed for a sort of a ricocheted one on one that came off Allison and then onto Havertz's hand and, and went in. Uh, but yeah, that was disallowed handball uh, completely correctly by by VAR. Um, and yeah, Chelsea had plenty of opportunities. Mateo Kovacic had a, uh, had a great chance as well at the start of the second half. Um, and Liverpool, although didn't create too much, there was lots of good play um, in between both boxes. Um, uh, Roberto Firmino looked good. Um, but uh, but yeah, once the the first kind of round of substitutions happened around about the hour mark, maybe just after um, the game petered out, and the, to be honest, the last half hour was was pretty appalling. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, both teams, as we know, are, are, are struggling. Um, somehow Liverpool are still within vague touching distance of, uh, of Champions League football next year, but um, the. Uh, they haven't won uh, any of their last three, um, and obviously got uh, got humped by um, by Manchester City last weekend, and uh, have Arsenal to play at the weekend. So um, I can't really see that happening. But uh, but yeah, uh, not certainly not the best last half hour. The first uh, the first hour was okay, but yeah. Um, both teams are just so lacking in confidence right now. And, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it sounds like Luis Enrique is on a plane to London at the minute uh, to, to talk with Todd Bowley about uh, about taking over at Chelsea. And, you know, they, they certainly certainly need someone to, to steady the ship ahead of a Champions League quarterfinal against Real Madrid next week. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because obviously there's been a few, uh, a few managerial uh, changes. Um, Brendan... Rogers leaving Leicester, uh, Antonio Conte um, is being sacked by Spurs, and and the Chelsea jobs. There's a lot of lot of options uh, for a lot of people. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann basically saying that he wants to wait till the off season. Same with Graham Potter, by the looks of things as well. But uh, Luis Enrique, that's an interesting shout because there were shots of Frank Lampard in the stands at Stamford Bridge, weren't they? they? I mean, it would be a very Todd Bowley decision to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be the wrong decision to do that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he's, he's entitled to do... Uh, Todd Bowley's going to do Todd Bowley things, right? Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't see Lampard uh, happening. Um, uh, I, I wrote a piece the other day, um, which, uh, uh, in which I discovered that uh, Everton have won uh, 44% of their total points uh, under Sean Dyche's nine games this season, which doesn't say much for Lampard's record um, uh, in the 20 or so fixtures that uh, that he had before that. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I would imagine that Lampard was there uh, as a fan um, uh, last night. Um, Enrique can get Enrique. That's a that's a really good uh, a really good appointment. Big name, obviously won the Champions League at, uh, at Barcelona. Still has would have the chance to do that uh, with Chelsea if uh, um, and he absolutely despises Real Madrid. So uh, I'm sure that's probably in his thinking as well. No, nothing like uh, inflicting a bit of pain on Los Blancos. Um, but yeah, they they need. Uh, they they need a they need a coach to come in and sort of hit the ground hit the ground running really it looks like no European football for them next year unless they unless they do win the Champions League, um, 
you know, Potter didn't work. He's a slow build coach coming in halfway through a season. Um, so, I, you know, I can understand why he wouldn't want to. There was rumors of him taking over the Leicester job. Um, but uh, I can understand why he wants, he'd want a bit of a break. Um, similarly, Nagelsmann will probably want the preseason wherever wherever he goes. You know, it, whether it's now, whether it's in the summer, Nagelsmann is not going to be short of suitors. Um, the Spurs job will still be around then. Uh, potentially, even the Real Madrid job uh, will be there. It sounds like uh, Carlo Ancelotti may be taking over the Brazilian national team um, uh, when uh, when the season ends with Madrid. So um, yeah, uh, Nagelsmann is not going to be short of suitors. He's a he's a top level coach and. To be honest, I'm surprised that uh, that Bayern got rid of him uh, when they did. Yeah, I heard something. Um, and I'm trying to remember where it was. I think it was on a on a on a football podcast that the the whole Nagelsmann being sacked by Bayern, you know, despite having knocked PSG out of the Champions League and being at that time uh, second in the Bundesliga, a point behind Dortmund, was to do with uh, getting offside uh, with Manuel Neuer and Manuel Neuer's personal trainer. Yes, indeed, that's uh, that's the rumor. Um, there's uh, Neuer and uh, one or two, uh, one or two other of the senior members of the of the Bayern squad. I don't think he fell out quite the same extent with uh, Thomas Muller as he did with uh, Neuer and uh, Neuer's kind of uh, team. Um, but uh, there were there were one or two others that uh, that he he'd fallen out with, but was well liked by uh, by uh, I think the the rest of the squad. Joshua Kimmich um, sort of alluded to as much that he was surprised um, by the sacking when Kimmich was on um, uh, um, international duty with uh, with Germany during the the most recent uh, international break. Um, so yeah, it, it seems to be not so much um, that Bayern weren't winning the league. You know, they always they always win the league. It seems like they're going to do so again, and uh, uh, an absolutely battered uh, Borussia Dortmund at the weekend um, and uh, Newmount Thomas Tuchel. Um, but. Uh, yeah, there seems to be, it seems to be a political uh, sacking as much as as much as anything um, to try and keep the dressing room on side. But um, you know, uh, Bayern Bayern have to win. It's part of the club's DNA. Um, so that's why that's why they've done it, and, and you know, want to keep their their big stars happy um and yeah may well may well go on to 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 win the champions league you know Tuchel has done that before taking over a team Chelsea midway through his season and um uh, I mean it's not like he has to change that much drastically at Bayern I don't think so um so yeah I mean they're certainly within within a shot uh for for European success again this season uh, let's have a look at a couple of other teams, mate. Uh, Tottenham. Um, what do you think they do? Do they just uh, stick with Piritici till to the end of the season? Uh, they may not have much choice. Um, I'm sure they would like to bring in Nagelsmann. Maybe they thought that they'd be able to uh, to to do so. Um, he seems to have some kind of affinity for Spurs. Um, so uh, maybe they they hoped that they'd be able to to do that. Um, the the a lack of availability is their is their, is their key uh, problem. You know, uh, from the the managers that you see linked to them, from Nagelsmann to Ruben Amorim, the the sporting uh, manager in Portugal. Um, 
only, the only one that's uh, vaguely on their list who is available and would go there presumably fairly soon would be Mauricio Pochettino, who's been out of work since uh, since being sacked by PSG over the summer, last summer. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think they want they they want to bring someone in as uh, as soon as they can. I don't really think that the Paratici situation is particularly sustainable. Um, but you know they are still in the Champions League spaces, albeit um, uh, on the same number of points as Manchester United, having played two games more. Um, but you know they they have they have Harry Kane, so you, you've always got a chance. One thing I will say is the problems haven't the the problems that they were having under Conte haven't gone away with the Italians sacking um, on on Monday night against Everton. They they went one nil up against. Uh, against 10 men and proceeded to spend the last uh, 25 minutes or so unfathomably de- defending for their lives against uh, against one of the relegation candidates, invited Everton onto them um, and Everton deservedly got a last minute uh, equaliser from a game that Tottenham should have just seen out pretty comfortably, you know, you get, get another goal and, and it's game over but they just invited pressure yet again defending their low block, try and win 1-0 and then you know, if you do that, you invite pressure. Uh, you invite the other, the opposition onto you, and you know, even Everton uh, are, are good enough to um, to make you pay, and that's that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, they definitely need to bring someone in, but whether the right person that they want to bring in is going to be there. It remains to be. It remains to be seen. It doesn't really look like it at the minute. No, doesn't look that way. Uh, and you know, I guess the thing for Pochettino too is, do you go back? Um, you know, would you hold on for something else? Uh, what about Leicester City then? Where do they go? Do you think? Because uh, another loss today, two one uh, to Aston Villa, who who are flying at the moment. Um, I mean, they can, I, I don't think they can afford to stay where they are. But I mean, they've offered it to Potter. He said no. Um, where else do they go? Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one. I mean, they their hand has been quite clearly what they want wanted to to happen um, uh, was to hope that Rogers would get through to the end of the season um, and then you know take stock and probably probably um, pull the trigger. Uh, in the in the summer, but uh, it's looking pretty perilous for um, for the moment. Um, they just they just don't look ever like winning. Um, uh, you know the the team that uh, that Rogers has uh, has built there isn't really one that looks like being up for a relegation fight. Um, yeah, they've got lots of very good players, but there is no confidence in that team um, whatsoever. Not even you know James Madison is is able, being able to um, you know uh, pick the club up onto his shoulders and uh, and carry them through. Harry Suit has done sort of okay um, since uh, coming into the into the backline from Stoke in in the January window, but. Uh, their form since the World Cup has been absolutely shocking. I'm not sure if they've, they, you know, if they, if they have won, they must have only won once uh, in that time, and that's why they're their second bottom, um, and you know just don't don't look like don't look like winning. Um, they're they're leaky at the back. They still keep on conceding from set pieces, um, and just look like uh, getting bullied. So yeah, they need to bring. They're going to need to bring someone in, but again, who who is there? So you know, Potter's turned them down. I understand why. Um, 
so what do you do? I can't see, uh, you know, do you go down a Sam Allardyce route, a short-term firefighter to, to, to get them out of it? I, I don't really see how he's going to work with that group of players, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, so, yeah, they, they, they're, they're in trouble. You know, like a lot of the teams in the, in the relegation fight seem to be picking up points. Um, you know, uh, sort of Wolves, um, maybe less so recently, uh, but uh, they've been much better under Lopetegui. West Ham uh, won at the weekend, um, as we were saying earlier. Dyche has done uh, has done great stuff with Everton, um, Forest. You know, it looks it looks like maybe the bottom four are going to be uh, the ones uh, most in amongst it, just because their their form is is the worst. But even then, Bournemouth have, have won what two of their last four, so. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a real it's a real tight a tight group from 12th, which is Crystal Palace down to down to Southampton, who are bottom. There's only, you know there's only seven points separating 12th to 20th, so it's it's really tight down there. And you know a, a bad couple of results uh, go go a long way. And Leicester just just need to start winning because other teams around them have started started winning. You know, Leeds have won. Uh, two of their last three, so they, they need to they need to start picking up points. Yeah, they do. All those teams need to, mate. It's uh, it, it, honestly it, that I can't remember a season we have had half the table going for European places, half the table battling relegation, and no mid table. No, absolutely. It's it, it's really good to see. I mean, I don't know what it says about the quality of the of uh, of the division. You know, probably that there's. A, uh, a good deal that that isn't that isn't that great, um, and then there's there's sort of a lot uh, a lot that are much of much of a muchness. You know, you've got Arsenal and City, which have been who have been the two standout teams all season, really. Um, and then you've got Liverpool, who are very much in transition. Uh, same with Tottenham, United, Man United. Yeah, are having a good season compared with where they were at the beginning of it, but they're still slightly in transition first season under Eric Ten Hag. Um, and you've got previous sort of mid-table uh, teams who are playing superbly. Um, Fulham have, I would expect Fulham to drop away, but uh, with Mitrovic getting an eight-game ban now, but you know they're 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 having a, an excellent season. Brentford and Brighton, obviously, superb two superb seasons for for them. Not least Brighton having lost their manager uh, earlier in the season. Roberto De Zerbi's done a fantastic job there, and um, Aston Villa have won four of their last five. Um, and look like maybe challenging for for Europe themselves. Ollie Watkins is absolutely on fire. So, you know, you've got there's a lot of teams there in that what you would say what would previously have been mid table who are either having bad seasons, Crystal Palace, Wolves, um, who have been dragged into a relegation fight, um, while uh, others are playing above themselves, like Brighton and Brentford, to join the you know the big six. Who who are in the teams in the big six who are who are in transition and struggling, and then Newcastle are also having a great season. So it's been a really interesting Premier League. Like so, so often in the past, you know, one team has run away with it in recent seasons, whether it's Manchester City or Liverpool, 
Um, and, you know, you'll even have one team just languishing at the bottom with barely any points and you can write them off straight away. But uh, that hasn't happened this season and it's been it's been really refreshing, actually. And, you know, going through to the end of the season with, um, you know, what, what, what have we got probably about? Uh, four or five teams competing for two Champions League places, and as we say, you know, any one, any three of seven teams could go down. So it's uh, it's been a, it's been a really good season. It was like exciting, maybe not quite as much quality as as past seasons, but uh, it's been really really good to see from the neutrals' perspective. Mm. It has. All right, before I let you go, Andy, uh, two questions for you: Who makes mm-hmm. up the top four? Who gets relegated? Mm-hmm. Tricky, isn't it? Yeah. it um, Certainly, with the with who goes down, um, it seems to change uh, every week. Um, you know, sort of even two weeks ago, uh, I fancied Forest to stay up, but they can't buy a win at the moment. Um, so, um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder whether the, whether that will be uh, maybe Southampton, uh, Leicester, and Forest, perhaps. Um, uh, but. Um, I would say that Wolves need to start picking up points uh, after a good start under Lopetegui. Um, uh, so uh, I kind of I see I see Everton pulling clear. I think Palace probably have enough um, uh, as well. And um, yeah, so I'd go I'd go Forest, Leicester, and uh, Southampton down there. But it really could be any of them, which is uh, is going to be fascinating to see over the next few weeks. Uh, as for the top four, um, obviously we've got uh, Arsenal and Man City, um, uh, who were nailed on uh, nailed on for, for Champions League. And I don't know, I have a sneaky feeling that, that Arsenal might do it. Um, I've probably put the probably put the mockers on them on them there. So sorry, Gunners fans. Um, get on, get on but, Man City uh, now at the bookies. Yeah, exactly. Just lump on City. That's my advice. Um, but uh, but yeah, as for the other two. Um, I I think United have uh, have enough going forward to uh, to finish in the to finish in the top uh, in the top four. So maybe United third, and let's uh, let's have a bit of fun and let's say Brighton. Come on, wouldn't that be great? Brighton in the Champions League, wouldn't that be superb? They're they're right there, four points. Uh, four points off fourth uh, at the minute, having played two games uh, fewer than. Um, than Spurs, um, you know Newcastle are in there as well. So I, I would like to need in, uh, just a different team. I mean like Newcastle, less about Newcastle's ownership the better. But um, it would be nice to see a different a different team in there. So let's go, let's go Arsenal, City, uh, United, and Brighton. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Hey, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Always good to chat, Andy. Go well. And uh, if you need any more information uh, about batshit crazy matches from the A League, let me know. I will do. Thanks, Rick. No worries. Cheers. Uh, 10.25 here on SENZ Extra Time. Uh, We've got more football coming your way, including Claudia Bunge out of the Football Ferns. You're on SENZ. This is Extra Time, and we are talking football. And joining us out of Turkey is Football Fern, Claudia Bunge. Claudia, how are you doing? Hey, Ricardo. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How's Turkey? Yeah, it's beautiful here. We're um, staying right by the beach, so yeah, not can't complain too much. Uh, is it Anatalia? Is that how it's said? Yes, Anatalia. 
Beautiful. Nice spot, mate. Nice spot. And you've got a couple of big games coming up as well against uh, Iceland and Nigeria. Um, two different sort of challenges. How much work have you done on these two countries so far? Yeah, um, we've been having a look at some scouting clips um, and we've had a few meetings and uh, a couple of trainings already. So, yeah, we're starting to get familiar with them and, um, yeah, both play very different styles of football. Um, so, yeah, we're really looking forward to the games against them. What have, what's been the key message uh, into this? Obviously, these games uh, in themselves hold no meaning, but with the World Cup being around the corner, of course, uh, there's quite a lot on them. What's been the message um, from Yitka? Yeah, um, like you said, they are friendlies, but every game is a chance for us to improve and get better and prepare for um, the big games coming up in July. And the main message is we want to get results this tour, I think, against two teams that, you know, are decent teams, but realistically, you know, we should be able to compete with them and um, definitely get a win from both of them. And yeah, her message has been we, we just need to keep the ball better um, and finish our chances and be more clinical up top. Yeah, I, I mean, it, when Yitka took charge of the football ferns, I thought you could see an immediate change in terms of the threat going forward from what we'd seen under Tom Samani, which had been a lot more defensive. Um, and we were mm-hmm. scoring goals, even though I think we lost to the US maybe 3-1 or, or something, but we were scoring goals against teams like the US, right? But that seems uh, to have dried up a bit in, in recent times. What do, you, what do you put that down to and how are you guys trying to fix it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it's something that, you know, this team has struggled with in the past. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of change and a lot of new players coming in. So, you know, people getting familiar with playing with each other and different combinations is going to take a little bit of time. So I think this team is in a bit of a rebuilding phase, but we've got some really exciting players um, coming through the ranks and the likes of having Millie here and seeing what she's done for the Phoenix, I think. Um, it's really cool for her to be here and she's deserved this opportunity and we've got some other players um, coming back from injury so Jackie Hand's back as well um, and Indy too who couldn't really play too much last tour because um, her and I actually had a head collision in, a, in the Brisbane game but, but yeah so we're working on those combinations and I think with those players coming back in it's going to make it more competitive for starting spots too um, which is just going to benefit this team more. I think a player that probably the football of Ferns have missed more than just about anybody else is Rhea Percival. Um, you know, that knee injury that she had. I apologise because I don't have the team in front of me, but is she in Turkey with you guys? No, she's not. So she was going to come um, as a training player, but I think she's going to spend um, that extra time um, with Tottenham just, yeah, getting the final bits of her rehab done because, yeah, the travel, obviously, it's quite far um, for everyone to come. So... Um, yeah, she's a massive part of this team and has been for a really long time. And yeah, we, we miss her leadership um, and just her grit in the midfield. She just rolls her sleeves up and gets gets things done. Um, so yeah, we're really looking forward to welcoming her back in soon. It feels like we've got more options uh, than we had even maybe two or three years ago. Uh, you know, some of that I think is probably down to the uh, the Football Ferns Development Program. Some of it will be down to having a Phoenix team in this league, in the uh, you know, in the Liberty A League, um, and and exposing more players to the professional environment. Where do you think we're at? Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and I think with having um, the Phoenix in the A League, it's it's massive, and it's just another pathway for girls. Um, it's always kind of hard after doing 17s and 20s. A lot of girls either go play college or 
make the jump to professional football and I think it can be a bit of a um, a big jump to make and then if you're not really taking those paths a lot of people just stop playing so it's cool to have um, this option and it's a really good option I think the A-League um, is a really good league um, and yeah there's a lot of us playing in other teams in the A-League as well so people do want to find Kiwi players um, and I think the development is just going to get better um, and hopefully we can see another team um, in the A-League from New Zealand uh, in the coming years as well. Yeah, well, that's that's the rumours, mate. That's the rumours that Auckland, uh, there's, a, there's an Auckland team for uh, both the men's and the women's league uh, rubber stamped for a couple of years' time, so we'll have to uh, track yeah. how that goes. Well, maybe, maybe we can tempt you exactly. back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, now, you are with the Melbourne victory. Um, it does feel like an odd time to have an international window. Not that you complain about playing for your country this close to a World Cup, but, I mean, the round-robin part of the league is finished, and now there's an international window before mm-hmm. we come back for, you know, the semifinals uh, where you play Melbourne City and a, a couple of other uh, football ferns in that team as well. Uh, how, how, how have you sort of found the timing of this? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's always an honour to play for your country and you're never going to turn down an opportunity. I think with Turkey being as, as far as it is from Australia, it does make the travel a little bit harder and I think we'll be playing uh, two or three days after we land. So it's definitely going to be a bit challenging. But um, yeah, like I said, you're never going to turn down an opportunity to play with the Ferns. And um, yeah, I'm sure me plus, Wilkie and Bowen will we'll get up for the big um, Melbourne Derby semi-final anyway. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Sharpen your elbows for Wilkie, eh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't tell her that, though. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, Gareth Turnbull obviously is at the victory, and he was a, a, a big part of the reason that you went there eventually. Uh, you had re-signed for another season this season. Uh, have you got any thoughts about what you're going to do next season, or is it just see what happens uh, post-World Cup? Yeah, um, pretty much. I'm not looking too far ahead, I think. Um, Yeah, I want to obviously focus on um, finishing this season with victory and hopefully getting a third title would be incredible. And then with World Cup um, in just less than four months, um, yeah, that's kind of where my focus is at. But yeah, I think I'm definitely looking at maybe hopefully going overseas after that. But yeah, not too sure. And I've got those two things to um, yeah focus on beforehand. How cool would that be? Three and done. Just, yeah. I've had three seasons, yeah. got three rings. I'm going to Michael Jordan it and go play baseball for the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a bad little record to have. No, it'd be very good, mate. Be very good. I mean, I know you were talking about, uh, te- you know, about teams in the UK before you re-signed with the victory. Uh, are those lines of communication still open, and is that what you're thinking about? Um, I haven't had too much, um, yeah, too much happening from that side of things. Um, those are more conversations I'll probably have after the season. Um, yeah, like I said before, I just want to focus on victory and hopefully winning that third championship um, yeah. for the time being. And putting in some boss performances at the World Cup and upping upping your rate, right? Don't sign that contract till after then. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's that's the aim. That's the aim. Hey, uh, the new kit that, that that came out the other day as well—the teal shorts, the white shirt, or the or the all black with the the motifs in it. Um, man, it looks really cool. Are you guys getting to play in that in Turkey? Yes, we are. Um, so yeah, they just launched the kit the other day, and yes, yeah, I think we we got pretty lucky and got one of the best kits from Nike. So um, yeah, the girls are really wrapped, and we've got new training kit too. So. Yeah, we're um, yeah really wrapped about all of that. 
Yeah, the I mean the the black shirt with the, all the, that embossed sort of stuff going on in it, um, the white and the teal is pretty cool. Do you do you have a favourite? Um, oh, I like them both. I think yeah, I can't go past the black. The the black kit is iconic, and I think it's really cool that that's going to be our home kit. Yeah, I, yeah, which is great. I mean, yeah, making making the call and just going with the black kit as as the home kit. Uh, love that. And of course, uh, there is another game before the World Cup, or at least one. And we just found out about that today. Uh, you're going to go to the Hawks Bay to take on Vietnam in April, as uh, not in April, sorry, uh, before the World Cup. But that's pretty exciting. Yeah, really exciting. The first um, Ferns game in um, Hawks Bay, so that'll be really cool. And yeah, we've got a couple of girls from that region, so a really cool um, chance for them to play in their hometown. Yeah, especially with everything that they've gone through down there post-cyclone, right? Yeah, exactly. They've had a hell of a um, start to the year. So, yeah, I think it might be a bit of a shining light for them. And, yeah, just another opportunity for us to play um, somewhere where we haven't played before and, yeah, engage with the fans down there before the World Cup. Yeah, good stuff, Claudia. All right, hey, listen, thanks very much for giving us some time, Matt. I, I hope you've got your shooting boots on and we see see a couple at the back of the net in these uh, next couple of games uh, between Iceland, uh, against Iceland and Nigeria, mate. Go well and best of luck. Thank you so much. Cheers for your time.